welcome to Rethinking Revelation. Episode 1, my name is Travis Finley and I am your host for this exciting new podcast. It's the goal of this podcast to promote the Christian worldview of what I call Worldwide Jesus Domination. WWJD, baby exclamation point. Worldwide Jesus Domination. Psalm 2, that's in the Bible, in case you didn't know. Psalm 2, the second psalm of the book of Psalms. Psalm 2 declares, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Yahweh holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The master said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve Yahweh with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the sun, lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This psalm is fulfilled in the person and work of the anointed Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. His life, death, and resurrection all establish and procure his adjudication as ruling and reigning king of the nations. In his departing words to his followers, he charged them with the proclamation of his worldwide dominion when he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Making disciples is converting the nations. Converting the nations entails the individual person, but also assumes a national effect. Christianity is to be the life-giving influence in all the world, heaven on earth. This podcast will promote a biblical way of life and submission to the Word of God contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments. I welcome your engagement and your questions and your challenges, and of course, your subscribing, giving some good positive feedback. So, what is rethinking Revelation? Well, it's a bit of a double entendre, it's a bit of an ambiguous title for a podcast because we are going to be dealing with the book of Revelation, and we are also going to be discussing all of God's Word as revelation. And we're going to unpack a lot of this stuff along the way, but uh, basically that's the idea. We are rethinking God's Word and finding out its relevance for us today. 
This is the first episode, and so it's going to be a bit of an introduction as to the way I think and the way I'm going to approach things. And where I'm going to pull in some friends of mine along the way when they have time to uh, participate, so just keep your ears out for that. If I told you I could help you read the Bible more biblically, would you think that arrogant of me? You might if you thought that reading the Bible was just a simple, straightforward endeavor. If you were reading the Bible, how would you know you were reading it correctly or incorrectly? Does that seem like an odd question? It might if the Bible were like other books, but it's not. One of the features that scholars say differentiates the Bible from other early writings is its use of specifics when recording dates, times, and years. Why is that significant? It speaks to the actual concern for time and history, rather than the myths and the timeless truths, and in that sense, the Bible is not like other books. While the Bible is concerned with reality and history, its authors also write cryptically, or more precisely, proverbially. What this means is it takes a bit of thinking and rethinking and more rethinking to understand not only what the author is writing, but what he means by what he writes. In fact, very often reading the Bible depends not only on what the author says, but what he doesn't say, or by what he doesn't say and what he does say. This way of reading I like to call reading between the lines. One of the myths of reading the Bible is this. Jesus told parables to help his listeners understand his message better. That maxim is as false as the day is long. Listen to what Jesus himself says about his use of parables. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes have been closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. How does Jesus answer his disciples when they ask why he uses parables? Notice he does not say, Well, in order for my message to get across better, studies show that illustrated stories are better. They're the new thing. No. Basically, Jesus says that speaking to them in parables is an act of judgment, wherein their not hearing and seeing his message is because the message of the kingdom is being kept from them, not given to them. 
Why am I making this point? I make it because there are still countless Bible teachers who still believe parables were beautiful, inspiring examples of Jesus' being a masterful teacher. In fact, I was taught this in college. Besides, even if Jesus did use parables according to this popular belief, why is it that very often even his closest followers didn't get the simple teaching of the Master? Again, my point is that reading the Bible is not easy, and it takes a long time to improve one's ability to read it well. I am nowhere near being a genius at it, and I am better than I was, and I'm thankful for that. And so, what I have, I give to you. My goal is not to offend you, my listener. I wasn't offended when I learned that I was reading the Bible without squinting, or as I like to say, reading between the lines. Why should this offend me? If I were lifting weights and a better trained athlete saw my error, pointed it out to me, I hope I wouldn't get my feelings hurt or feel stupid for his attentiveness. No, I would rather appreciate his concern and try to practice what I had learned. To do otherwise would be the result of pride. Another example of reading between the lines can be seen in this way. Listen to what Jesus says about his opinion of the law of Moses, and recall what I said above about saying by not saying. Jesus said, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. How would you answer this question? To what does Jesus compare the stability of the law? Or, how do we know the law will never pass away? More than likely, the answer might be, well, Jesus said the law would last as long as heaven and earth would. Or, Jesus said the law would last until heaven and earth passed away. So, since heaven and earth are still here, so is the law. But what if I put this answer of Jesus into a modern turn of phrase? What if Jesus would have answered it like this? Truly I say to you, until the stars and the stripes fall away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, what do you know of the stars and stripes? They are the emblems of our nation's flag. So, how am I using this symbol? Does the term stars and stripes symbolically stand for something? Yes. Yes, it does. It's the same with Jesus' words. Imagine again that Jesus says, Well, I say to you truly until the Iron Curtain passes away. Not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. You see, figures of speech and symbols have meaning. Well, had Jesus said something like this, we would understand exactly what he meant. The law would last as long as the United States stood as a nation. The law would last as long as the Iron Curtain didn't fall. This is no less than what he is doing in Matthew chapter 5. 
Jesus is not saying that since the physical, the biological heavens and earth are still standing, the law is too. No. Jesus here is speaking a word of judgment against Israel and her temple. And what he means is this. Truly I say to you, until temple and Israel pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Here in this parable of Jesus, we can see to what his use of heaven and earth refer. It is a covenant people. Now, what I'm about to say next is not meant to sound condescending, so brace yourself. If you know enough of your Bible, bells and whistles ought to be going off because your mind is starting to go to other places where this way of reading between the lines happens. When we learn how to read between the lines, it changes everything that we know about reading the Bible. Reading between the lines happens whether or not we know it, whether or not we like it. So we need to just accept the fact and learn how to squint better. I simply want to help all of us get better at reading the Bible for the first time again. And if it works on you like it has on me, you'll read more and more with your eyes squinted. And the best way to read more is to begin at the beginning, where it all began. So this is Travis Finley again with Rethinking Revelation. And this is the first episode of this podcast. I do hope that it will be a benefit to you. I hope that you will take advantage of subscribing and giving some good uh, reviews on iTunes so that this can uh, climb the charts and reach more people. So until next time, this is Travis Finley with Rethinking Revelation. Wait, wait, wait. Before I go, I forgot to give a shout out to my friend Shane Lankford, who graciously let me use the intro and exit music from his group's song, Angel's Desire. His group is called Orphan Project, and you can find them on Amazon for your listening pleasure. So, thanks again. Sorry, Shane, I almost forgot about you, but there's your plug, buddy. (laughs) 